Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Bucked Up Podcast. If you don't mind hitting the like, subscribe button, we have new episodes coming out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you guys so much for checking it out. This episode is sponsored by Exotic Roots Hydro, which I have to give a huge shout out to. They are a huge supporter of the podcast, and I'm really happy to be working with them. If you're ever in Rochester, New York, and you need to learn about any of your hydroponic needs, go to their shop. You can follow them at Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram. Shout out their whole team. They have an amazing venue space. Uh, They're going to be putting on tons of events. Just make sure to follow Exotic Roots Hydro on Instagram. And if you're ever in Rochester, definitely stop by. Let's get back into it. It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Now he fucked up. I took um, ayahuasca during like one of the most difficult times in my life. And I, it, the way it was, it was, um, it was this hippie girl got it for me. It was two chocolate like cookies. First, you had to eat the first one that had like the MAOI inhibitor in it. And then you ate the ayahuasca. Yeah. And I, I did the first part and I ate the second half. And then ugh, my ex like wrote me the most like devastating text message as... I started going into like a deep ayahuasca trip. Oh, so she wasn't with you? No, no. She just no. We were we were already separated for a couple. Oh, of years. would you turn my uh, headphones down a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's a little loud. Yeah. Uh, no. So you were separated. Yeah. You take the Are you by yourself when you take the ayahuasca? I was by myself when I because what happened was I had a doorman who uh, <laughs> who got it for me originally, and I did it the first time, and I was like, oh, I was like, this is I was like, this is pretty cool. It was really fun. It was interesting. How long is it? Uh, I think it was like four or five hours. Yeah, but like intense, intense, like three hours of like, like you've taken mushrooms before. Yeah, so yeah. like imagine. And I've done DMT. And, but this is like like a combination. DMT's short, you know? Yeah, like wickets, that's what I mean. Like I, Yeah, this is like a prolonged DMT with an intense mushroom trip behind <sighs> it. Yeah, it's really, really fucking intense, dude. And your ex sends you this. She sends me this message. It always happens that way, right? Like... <laughs> Well, I, I, I should have known better than to just start tripping on ayahuasca by myself in the middle of a day. I 100% you agree. You know, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. punishment for you it. You mind turning it down just a little bit more? You'll turn my microphone. <laughs> turn my headphones down. Turn- the least. The least. Please, my ears are the, the, Sir, my, my ears, sir. <laughs> my ears are hurting. I need to spit my bars. Yeah. So she sensitive. sends you the text. She sends me the text message, and then, like, everything starts, like enveloping into like layers of hell but i called a friend of mine who was this um this awesome woman who we were like at the time we were like friends but you know we had sex a couple times but yeah. she was just like really cool like you know when you get the right person in your life at the right time yeah, 100%. and uh she came and she took care of me but oh, i was like a baby i was like i was like fetal position on the <laughs> fucking bed like, <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't even want to do mushrooms by myself like i i did it in college a couple times by myself and right. that was it like I, I need someone else to like bounce it off of it's what you're looking for out of the trip you know yeah. like i just are you know, good with your mind yeah yeah i've tested the uh the expanses of my yeah. brain's capability i consider myself a hallucinogenic cosmonaut, for sure. You think uh, being a father helped be like, all right, I need to fucking be good with my mind? Uh, what do you mean? Or were you good before the kid, like having a kid? I, th- I think I've gotten better 
since I became a father. You know, before you have a kid, you can go out and act like a complete raging lunatic, you yeah. know, and there's nobody that you have to be held accountable for other than yourself, which is fun and easy. But when you have a child, you're like, you know, there's, you know, I'm the father to somebody. I have to maintain yeah. some sort of normal brain activity. Do you think it uh, affected your um, work, like comedy and everything? Uh, well, I only started doing stand-up about four and a half years ago. And this was around the same time that I was using a lot of hallucinogens, magic mm -hmm. mushrooms. So when I first started comedy, I thought, I'm really hilarious when I'm tripping. So I bought a large amount of shrooms, and for like a month and a half, I just tripped nonstop and did open mics and stuff. Oh, really? Did you go too far with the hallucinogens? Like yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it doesn't make you any funnier. Not at all. It makes things seem funnier at the time. Yeah. But it was... Uh, and then you realize like how people are viewing you while you're tripping in public. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I pretty much I can hold myself together to where I'm not acting like a buffoon. If anything, you just see me giggling yeah, no. like a schoolgirl. Doing comedy, I do not like tripping because time feels so slow. Like the silence. Right. It just feels really long because you right. know how your brain just kind of starts right. like building out. Yeah. You know? Well, because the illusion of time is taken away. And then the infinite space that exists. So I'm you've not... only been doing comedy four and a half years. Yeah, almost five, yeah. How old were you when you started? How old was I? I was uh, 36, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. How old when you, were you when you had your kid? I was 32. Okay, why'd you start? Start what? Comedy. I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Why'd you start not pulling out? Because <laughs> I was intoxicated. Um, no, stand-up was like my dream since I was a little kid. Um, but, you know, you know you're a comic. It takes a lot of fucking balls to do that. You know, they're, they're, you have to have the ability to put your ego aside. So what happened for me is when my life came to a crashing stop, you know, and I split with my ex and my business and this. And I told you the stuff that went down, like yeah, yeah. a lot of fucked up shit. A lot of fucked up shit. So when you're like all the way completely destroyed ego wise, I figured there's nothing left for me to lose. And what was your path before that? Acting, sketch comedy, improv. But you were really doing that. Like I was really doing that. Yeah. But, but because I wanted to do stand up. So I danced around it to get as close to it as possible. Yeah. What made you finally get up? I told you it was the destruction of my, you know. There my wasn't like ego. A, a moment, like honestly, the the <laughs> the uh, the day my my child's mother, yeah, came to me and figured out. Well, what I'll tell you what happened. We'll go over it real quick. Yeah, I um, me and my ex had a kid. Shit was like not really good between us. Um, you know, we stopped sleeping together for several months, and I was working at some place, and I ended up having an affair. How long have you been together? At that time, mm -hmm. we were together for like six or seven years. Okay. And I started to have an affair. And um, simultaneously, at the time, I had some surgery a couple of years prior to that. And I picked up an addiction to painkillers. And I told her at the time that I wasn't going to be taking them anymore. But she found... My stash, it was all legal, you know, like yeah, yeah. they were prescribing this shit to me. But what I hadn't known is she was planning on leaving me anyway. So she had went and she had took all our money and got herself a new place and was already paid for the movers, was already out the door. Wasn't going to tell me. But then 
the girl that I was having an affair with wrote me an email that she intercepted and she decided to confront me right there and then and let me know that she was leaving. And that evening when she's like, I'm leaving you and we're moving out and this and that. And I remember laying in bed and going, all right, well, I guess I'll start doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> I'm serious, you know. No, I know. Yeah. That's, it was like that or nothing. Yeah, well, I had nothing anymore because she's taken yeah. my kid. She's taken this you know, family that I thought I was creating. So I was like, all right, this is a sign, you know, this is... Yeah. And how long after that did you go up? Um, very quickly, within a month or two. Within a month or two. Messy divorce? Very, very messy. We were never married, but okay. we have a kid together. No, so I understand. My, my like, uh, childhood was, like, wrapped around a very messy divorce. So yeah. Like, how was that for you growing up? Oh, not great. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, and I know uh, people won't like that I'm saying it, but, like, my mom told me that she was divorcing my dad before she told my dad, so wow. I was the one who told him. Wow. Like, over the phone, I called him up. She, did she want you to let I him? think so, yeah. She told me, and she's like, your father's cheating on me, and we're getting a divorce. So yeah. I call him, and I'm like... Mom's leaving you. Mom's leaving you? You're getting a divorce? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? How old were you? 13. Oh, wow. I was in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah, it was on spring break for that. W but yeah, it was just like... Would you have preferred if they did it while you were younger? Ooh, I never thought about that. Um, no. No. I think it was a good age. Yeah? Because I was just able to like handle the concept of it. Right. But it, I wasn't like... I was still a kid, so it was kind of... How old were you? Your how old was your kid? My, how old was my kid? Yeah, my when, kid was three. Okay, so he doesn't really no, know he, any of yeah, the Yeah, his memories are us separated. And honestly, like in hindsight, definitely a good idea. One hundred percent, because you don't want the kid to be like see unhappiness. Right. And shit. Of course. Yeah. And we were not happy together. Mm -hmm. And you know, the the truth is like for me personally, even though I was miserable in the relationship, I would have stayed. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up in a broken home. My parents split when I was a baby. Like, I wasn't even a year old when my parents split. Yeah. And to me, I was like, you know, my fucked up life and, like, all the wrong streets I went down was because I had a broken home. So I was like, I'll do whatever the fuck I have to do for this kid. Yeah. But again, in hindsight, if, you know, you have two toxic people who are at least toxic to each other around a kid, it, it would have no, fucked not my kid good. up. Yeah, 100%. Is it hard to do comedy and, like... And like what? Is it hard to balance that shit? Co comedy in life? Yeah, like comedy, yeah. kid. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I, ha you know, I have a, a girlfriend now. Yes. And she's younger than me, you know? And that's an issue. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, listen. <laughs> I, Am I the... <laughs> well, uh, you know. No, no, I know. Like, I'm if I dated either. a woman my age, things would be a lot simpler. No, I feel that. Because we wouldn't be thinking about having a family of our own and making kids. But, you know, she's much younger than me. And her life is starting. And she wants kids. I want kids. I want more kids. Yeah. And I already have a kid. So she has to deal with that. No, I feel that. That's why, like, man, I'm so scared right now to, like, get into anything because, like, I have so much other shit going on. It's like I right. can't, like, give right. even, like, 25% of right. what I should, you know? Right. Well, it's definitely not enough room for a family, but you can, you're dating. You, you have girlfriends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, like, I'm also on the road all the time. Like, right. I'm always, and that's not, like, a good, like, lifestyle for that shit. F for the I girl. feel like, yeah, like, I got that. 
I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I can kind of turn my brain off for a little bit and just focus on work. Right. Well, you're like Jerk super off focused. in a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> well, once you have that clarity, you're like, why did I need a girlfriend? No, nah, well, it's like, uh, fuck. Someone, I, no, I like like a connection, but it's like, I think it was fucking Rogan said it once, where it's like, once you find out that like hooking up is just your brain wanting to like yeah. procreate. Yeah, you told me that. that. I yeah, remember. it's like, oh, like. That really fucked me up, by the way, telling me that. You know, you think about it. You know, it's the, true though. It really is true. The mechanics of your nature. You yeah, know, you're like, what the fuck? It's like I just want to like put my organ inside of another organ. Yeah, you know, it's like what the fuck's wrong? With and me? you were. I don't mean to call you out, but you were like a you were a fat kid. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like a bigger kid. And yeah, then, I saw like, your kid picture the other day. <laughs> and then like. Um, you have this like ego thing where it's like I just want to be like liked. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think most people have that, don't they? I mean, I, I listen when you grow some up. Some people really do like their bodies. Like some people really are like, I look good, right? Which well, is a crazy that is insane. To me. <laughs> I, I grew up with a mother with body dysmorphia. Mm. My mother was beautiful. She was a beautiful woman, and I remember my entire childhood her complaining about being fat and ugly and this and that. And my mother was a gorgeous woman. I mean, even for her old age, she's still pretty. You know. So then you yeah. get you raise a kid. You and know, your dad was a player, right? My father was a player. You know, my father was a successful guy. You know, yeah. he. Uh, and he was always with beautiful women, so he wouldn't have, you know, married my mother to begin with if she was a dog. Sorry, dogs. <laughs> Do you think, were you just, like, genetically fat, or were you just, like, you didn't care when you were a kid? No, I, uh, no, my obesity came from uh, a fucked up childhood, I think. I was, I was a latchkey kid, so, like, you know, my parents split when I was a kid. My father, you know, Israeli gangster businessman, I hardly ever saw him. My mother had to work because he didn't really take care of us. Is he still us. alive? No, he passed away five years ago. I'm sorry. Thank you. But, um, you know, she had to bear the brunt of the financial responsibility for us. So she was never around. So I was a latchkey kid. You know, like she would leave in the morning, 7.30 in the morning, come home at 7 o'clock at night. I could do whatever the fuck I want. And a large majority of the time, I wouldn't even go to school. You know, I'd hang out at home, eat food, and watch yeah. TV. So wait, so what did your dad do? He was a strip club owner. Did you know what he was doing when you were growing up? Well, when I was a kid, he owned nightclubs. He switched to to the strip club business when I was like 11, 11 or 12 years old. Are you a strip club fan? Um, I really despised them for a while. Only because like growing up in it, you see the facade. I, I love a woman's attention, especially a beautiful woman. But when it's paid for, when it's when it's manipulated, there's no, yeah. there's no satisfaction for me. Like I want a female's attention and I want to earn it. I want a genuine attention, not because she's trying to gay me for no, lap I feel dances. You. No, I feel you. And you were growing up in it. You were like, uh, <laughs> how old were you when you first stepped foot in the strip club? Well, so I live in Queens. My father turned the nightclub, Pallids, into the strip club, Goldfingers, <laughs> when I'm like 11 or 12 years old. He had a chain <laughs> of them. They used to be all over the Northeast. And um, I would visit him every now and then. I remember I brought my best friend... We walked down Queens Boulevard to my dad's thing. It's during the day, so he let us come inside. And we went downstairs. This is right after they switched it over. And, uh, you know, the strippers are walking around downstairs. Yeah. And my father's like, come here, come here. And he gets two women. And she goes, give my son and his friends some hugs. Give them hugs. 
So yes, these and this is the '90s. So this is when the breasts were like the size of our midsection, like big fake ones. Yeah, like disgusting. Yeah. Like which by uh, maybe that's why I'm so. Disgusting. Where are all those women? Are they dead? Um, no, but their tits are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, if you watch like stuff from like. Early two thousands, late nineties, they're all over the place. I know, but where are those tits? Do they get uh, they them? Took them out. They yeah. took them out. And what do you do? Do it's just skin now? It looks like I, chicken skin. I like... think they, you know, they cut and paste, and then they staple the tit closer to the body. And some of them get them refilled with something less toxic, toxic to the yeah. body. Because at that point, they were just filling it with whatever, right? And it, well, I think it was Jenny Jones who used to host uh, a daytime talk show. <laughs> she, uh, she was like the advocate for it because she had breast implants and the original like formula for breast implants had like a major carcinogenic in it. And like mm. women just started getting breast cancer nonstop from their fake titties. <laughs> Do you think getting a new hairline is the same as a girl getting like fake breasts? Are you asking for yourself? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. I'm just kidding. I'm going through the same thing as you, man. No, I know, but I'm also forward. like, I'm 24 years old. Yeah. No, I, I actually don't really care about it, but I have been thinking about that. It's yeah. like, uh, is that like, it's plastic surgery. Um, it's like man plastic surgery. Honestly, I would 100% do it. If I had the expendable capital to, to fix my hairline, I would uh, add a, an interest. I love that it. they have fucking um, like billboards on the highway for it with like deals. Like that. that's not gonna look good um the science has gotten so far that it actually it's it's pretty fucking simple for them to do it now okay they take the hair from your taint because that is the strongest of all, do you of have all your coarse, follicles do you have coarse fucking taint hair yeah man i just got a manscaped for the first time i sound like i'm sponsored by them but oh really the yeah. one that doesn't nick your balls when yeah you exactly it actually works i don't i don't shave my nuts i don't ever understand ever that. I mean, you got hairy-ass balls? Well, I have a webbed penis, so I shave... I don't know what that means. I shave my penis, actually. Oh, you have, like, the balls connected to the dick? Yes. I got that shit, yeah, too. Yeah, man. Team Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, I was gonna... That's right. You got a, we you got a webbed dick, Irish? I still don't even understand what you're saying. Like, there's skin that attaches from the bottom of your dick to your balls. You know, oh, I, yeah. I think or I'm is your dick and balls you know, unattached? <laughs> you know how your penis is symmetrical. There's like a line that goes yeah. down it, down your shaft, <laughs> yeah, down your skin. So basically, your ball sack, the it connects all the way to the top. <laughs> I've never heard someone even. I've never even heard that before, but I have it. And and you didn't tell anybody. That was like your secret, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. I found that out for years. You know what the fucked up thing is? <laughs> you were I, on some podcast. <laughs> well, the, no, I heard it when I was a, a younger dude. And, you know, growing up with a father in the porn industry, you, you have a lot of um, exposure to, to genitals of adults. Mm. So, like, you start questioning, like, what the fuck's wrong with my junk? You know, I was like, and then I started thinking, like, maybe I got a really small dick because my ball sack would stop, start towards the top of it. Mm. But it's, the, the whole penis is, <laughs> is long and in, intact. That's crazy, the growing up in the... So you knew what your dad was, like, doing with porn and all that shit. Bring, he was bringing, yeah, like, Yeah, well, he was stars. dating porn stars, you know? Yeah. He was, you know, I was constantly... Even before the strip clubs, like, I have some of my youngest memories. Um, my father, you know, in the, in the 80s and the 90s, up until the early 90s, pre-Giuliani, uh, Times Square was a fucking a cesspool. 
Yeah. I do jokes about it on stage. I used to say it was covered in a layer of cum. <laughs> it really was. It was disgusting. But like some of my youngest memories, my father had other like Israeli gangster friends who owned strip clubs back then. Now, strip clubs back then were completely different than now. They were just like jerk-off booths. Mm -hmm. So I have one of my youngest memories of my father taking me, I think I was on his shoulders, into a CD strip club in Times Square. That's funny as shit. I remember I was so scared the first time I fucking jerked off that I I looked at the Playboy app. I, I'm young, I'm 24, so I looked at the app store on my iPod, the Playboy pictures. I didn't even want to download the app. And then I felt... <coughs> How old, you, how old were you when you uh, <coughs> lost your virginity? I was, uh, I think I was 13 or 14. How old were you, Irish? <coughs> um, I think 15, 16. All right, cool. 13's young. Yeah. I, <coughs> I, um, how old were you? 16. Okay. Who'd you lose it to? Um, she was older than me. Mm. Chick I met on Tinder. Yeah. Because at that age, that's what, f at that age, you could just go on, like, Tinder and shit when you were 16. Right. And match with other 16-year-olds. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, because people then, would make fake accounts. They no, would lie about no, their... No, no, that was just, that was, like, the first, that was, like, when really? it first came out. Okay. And so, like, you could just match with other 16-year-olds, and then you'd just be fucking. Right. Should I be? Is that statue of limitations <laughs> up on that? Well, you were sixteen at the time. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I was like twelve, thirteen years old, and um, I think the prostitute. I was fucking. Was like seventeen. Prostitute. Yeah, yeah. You but, pay for it. Or your dad paid for it. No, my father didn't pay for it. I went with some friends from the neighborhood. <laughs> they started going to you know Corona Queens was known for like having the brothels and the prostitution back. Then. I think they still have it there. But yeah, I remember. And she was a teenager, too. It was probably fucked up in more ways than one, because I shouldn't have been there. Probably neither should have she. You know where she is now? <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's wild. Nah, that's crazy. What do you think about prostitution, Buck? Like, do I think it should be legal? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it should be. I think the biggest problems we have, like with uh, the incel members, is because we don't have legal prostitution. Yeah, I knew a chick who um, was like a professional cuddler. Mm. Like she would literally be paid to I've travel around yeah. and like cuddle people. Like, and not it's kind of sad, but like severely autistic people, right, or, like, right, right, people disabled who, like, people, people who like no one touches, right? Like they just want to be held. That's so sad. I know uh, that is sad. <laughs> this, this is a sad episode. <laughs> couldn't they just get a dog? Uh, <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. But no, that was her job, and she got paid pretty well for that. I'm sure. Probably like $100 an hour. Could you do that? Could I cuddle people? <laughs> yeah. Could you? How? how <laughs> give, me, uh, give me the person's condition, and I'll tell you if no, I can cuddle no. You have to ask. You have to be like... <laughs> I would have them fill out a questionnaire like... Please rate your on a scale from one to ten. One to ten, how badly do you smell? <laughs> That's a good one, right? Yeah. If they don't yeah. smell bad and they don't have something contagious, I could give them a hug. I'm a hugging guy. I like giving love to people. We were talking. <laughs> we were talking earlier on the podcast. I mean, before the podcast <coughs> about. <coughs> 
Were you saying, were you going through that same thing where you're like, what am I doing before <coughs> the podcast, like all the shit just took off? Or were you still just chugging away? Uh, like personally, your, yeah. Like, what's your mentality with it? No, I'm I'm chugging away. I've been chugging away my whole life, you know. So like, if I ever let like those feelings linger for too long, I mean they they're there, they're present all the time. But the only time like I'm questioning my path or what I'm doing, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have made it to where I am now. Yeah, you know, and like you just got to count your blessings. That's what you got to do. No, I feel you. Yeah, that is awesome. Like. It's a good feeling when, like, good it starts to get, Yeah, because you were saying you had 200-something other epi... Sorry, I should probably explain right. what's going on. Mm. Do you want to, like... You have a no, podcast, The Mac Almanac. We have The Mac Almanac. With Make uh, sure Kevin you Sanchez. The Mac Almanac. We're top 10 performers in Indonesia right now. <laughs> that is crazy. But Kevin's been on the podcast, and uh, you guys have been... But you guys had a podcast before that. Yeah, we had the low-end gigolos for... Yeah, and then you did... You've done 24 four so episodes and then you had this dude on right who's huge in indonesia he's like their biggest comedian he's like the dave Chappelle of indonesia okay and he how uh, did you meet him he uh he signed up for one of the mics that i host and actually he signed up via my friend patrick walsh shout out patrick walsh and patrick hit me up and he's like hey this guy's coming he didn't say anything like oh this is a big to do he just said he's like yo this guy signed up he told me he's coming through so i was like all right no problem so i you know like anybody who who comes I, I greeted them and was nice to them and uh he did the mic and he was great and we invited him to the show could you tell that it was like different when you saw him perform um i could tell well i can most of the people who we have coming lately are are, are pretty good like seasoned comics doing it for at least a few years now yeah i could tell right away the guy is professional you know i could tell by the caliber of his you know his pre his presence on stage, his comfortability, like this is this guy's a real deal. Yeah, you know. So I knew that automatically. Uh, What's his name? Sorry, Panji, P A N D J I, and then a bunch of other letters and stuff. <laughs> Pragi Waxono. Yeah, yeah, Pragi Waxono. I think Panji Pradi Waxono. Yeah, Pragi yeah. Waxono. Pra is that how you pronounce it? P R A G I. Panji, I'm sorry if we're saying this wrong. P R A G I W O. Sorry, I just wanted to know his name. Okay, so he. Yeah, so, so he, he came, he did the show. Very humble, just doing a mic. That's hum crazy. Well, he, he did the mic, and then he came, and he, well, he said his, you know, his whole thing was he's a huge star there. Like most of the comics we know has a real love for comedy. And, you know, comedy's from the United States. You know, stand-up comedy was birthed over here. So he wants to go, you know, where the, where the stand-up, you know, capital of the world is. So he came here, you know, it's like to, yeah. to prove himself, but the guy is going to fucking, he's going to skyrocket. He's really talented. Most importantly, sweetest, nicest human being you'll ever meet. Isn't that crazy though, that it's not just like, not easier for him, but like, it is wild that like, you can be huge in a place like Indonesia. Right. And then you're not like. Right. And then you come here and you're just amongst normal people. Yeah. You're just murdering. Like. Yeah. But, but he usually does it not in English, right? Comedy. Um. Yeah. Well, he. Well, I mean, everything. Most of his stuff, I'm sure he's doing in, uh, in Indonesia. He's doing it in their language. Yeah. In their language. But he 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 speaks perfect English, and uh, he performed in English and a little bit in Indonesian when we did the live show. Well, we did the live show. He did it uh, two Saturdays in a row. It was that snowstorm. He showed up and did a show that time, and like 15 people showed up for him. And then we did it again on Saturday, and like another thirty people showed up on wow. Saturday. So like, 
He's a big I love deal. I love people like that that really like care and love it. Yeah, and just do it because they want. Because their like, heart, you know. He's yeah. doing it, he's doing it with heart. He's an awesome, dude. Shout out to all my Indonesian people. What's Are you gonna go to Indonesia now? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm thinking of moving there. <laughs> you ever been to Asia? No. Have you? No. You no. ever been to Europe? I've been to Europe. I dated two girls that moved to Europe while dating me. Um. Because of you, <laughs> yeah, I, they, 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 they I don't. I just don't think about it. <laughs> no, uh, well, where in Europe did they move to? Uh, one moved to Barcelona to work for the government, right. and one moved to Scotland to work for the government. Yeah, the one who went Barcelona, she's she went there for the dick, and the and the one who went to Scotland also she went there because men are wearing skirts over there. Um, yeah, no, I. I mean, I was in uh, Croatia. My ex-father had a beautiful house in Croatia. I've always wanted to go to Croatia. I have friends there. It was gorgeous. It was the funniest thing is because she was trying to get me to go there with her for a few years. But my, you know, I, all I envisioned was like goat herders for some reason. I figured it was like country homes. And it's not that far off, but it's so beautiful, man. The sea is beautiful. And it's cheap too, right? Um, yeah, it's free if you have a father-in-law who pays for everything. <laughs> That's crazy. Would you ever... So you, you have been to Croatia, that's it? I've been there multiple times, yeah. Have you done comedy, like, outside of... Did you... You started in New York doing comedy. Correct, yeah. You think that was good? Starting in New York City? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I don't know. Why? Would you rather be some fucking schmuck from Ohio? No. You think it's good? Like, I want to... I want to... I'm, like, thinking about where to move, and I want to come to New York, but, like... It's so funny, like... Why, you I feel like it's hacky? It's no, cliche? I don't think so it's then what, what do you think? No, I just want to know, like, what the scene's like. I think, um, listen, honestly, you know, Sam, it doesn't matter where you go. You just got to go to a city where it's big yeah. and that it's happening in. So you know what's happening here. You know what's happening in Texas. You know you yeah. can go to California. But this is New York City. Now, listen, it's hard to be an advocate for New York City these days. No, I feel you. You know, it's hard to say, yo, it's the best place in the world, because it's kind of not anymore. It's not that. It's not that awesome. Especially. You grew up here. Yeah. What do you think changed about it? Um, the totalitarian government oppressing you. You know. When do you think it changed? Um, when Giuliani came into town and took over, he he's the one who destroyed my father's business. So just a little bit personal of there. No. Well, you know what he? Well, he listen. He cleaned the city up. The city used to be rough and tumble. Yeah. You know, it used to be porn shops and head shops. Huh? And my dad was at the head of that. No, but he was an integral part of the system. You know, yeah. so, but when Giuliani came mm. into power, he he basically he, he wrote a new law that um, first of all you couldn't have strip clubs within a certain distance of any schools. So, and if you had a a strip club, they made it so that I think it was something like sixty forty, sixty percent of the club had to be. Uh, could be a strip club, but 40% had to be dedicated to something else. So he had to turn, at the time, the top floor of his strip club into a pool hall or some shit like that. Yeah. That's weird. That's shit. why you see places have, like, steakhouses and shit connected to them. That's oh, from where that okay. started because oh, they had to have that. That is weird. Yeah. Do you look back at, like, what your dad does, like, with, like, that's cool, or you're like, that's kind of fucked up? No, my dad's history is fucking amazing. Very interesting. For me, it's sad because I didn't get to know him, you know? But, like, I find out things about my father from people who knew my father. What was his, like... My dad? Yeah. What was his, like, my story? My father, my father was um, 
he was training to be an Israeli Navy SEAL. So they called him commandos over there. So he, um, he did a, a deep diving exercise. And uh, I don't know if you know what the Benz is. The Benz is when uh, you go deep into water where it's pressurized mm -hmm. and they pull you up too fast. And the gas inside your blood expands and it can fuck up all your nerves. And it did. He had a really bad case of the Benz, like injured him really badly. And they gave him an honorable discharge. And he came to the United States. And uh, he ended up working for like wise guys. He was a, my father was a very big, imposing, trained how to fight man. And they used him as like muscle and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was my dad. That was his Damn. start in the United States. How, when did you, so you didn't know any of that until like afterwards? Um, no, my mother would every now and then like spit some like random awful thing about my father <laughs> to me. Like, my mother was moving out of my apartment when I was, like, 15 or 16. She was moving into my stepfather's apartment. Mm -hmm. And she was taking, like, her artwork and her shit with her. And we had this, like, big macrame, which is, like, a, a, a sewn painting in the living room. And uh, not a very good-looking piece of art. And she was like, oh, do you want this thing? And I was like, not really. She's like, all right, so throw it away. And I was like, I can't throw it away. I was like, that's Bubby's. I thought my grandmother made it because she would make things like that. Yeah. And she goes, oh, that, that, your grandmother didn't make that. That was one of your father's transvestite prostitutes. <laughs> so apparently my father used to pimp transvestites, well, amongst other prostitutes. Did he teach you, like, game? No, he didn't teach me anything. He did teach me a sense of humor. I spent time with him when I was a kid, but the time I spent with him weaned as I got older, and the majority of the time I spent was probably when I was, like, four or five. Okay. Six, seven. Why, why did you? Because um, he ended up married. Well, he, you know, he was with the business and he was traveling around the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then know. when I was around 12 or 13, 13 years old, he married a penthouse pet. I, you know, I have a, a half sister. I'm, I'm sorry to describe her like that. She was at the time. Beautiful, beautiful woman. She's, she's very successful now in a completely different field. Yeah. Um, but he married her, and he moved down south with her. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really ever see him after that. That happened with my grandfather. Like, growing up, I was kind of told, like, I was the only grandchild, and, like, my mom was, right. like, an only child. But he had, like, a whole family in Baltimore with, really? like, two kids and a granddaughter that he, like, left. It was his side family. He was, they were the first family, and oh. he just left them. And then, like, <laughs> you ever hear Kevin's bit about that? No, no. <laughs> Kevin, because uh, he does a bit about uh, the guy who, who killed his wife and kids yeah. and everything. And then Kevin talks about how brave his mother is. Because it takes so much bravery just to walk away from your family. <laughs> oh, I actually do. <laughs> you, know, know. you know that bit? Yeah. That's yeah, very appropriate. Uh, but it, no, but it's he just like had that whole other family that, and he was such like a quiet man. Like it's so we, it's so weird. Like I'm scared about growing up and like changing because it's weird how some people like you think they change. Yeah, that's uh, he was such a quiet, like quiet man who didn't stand up for himself and right. just kind of like sat in his chair and read and liked to drink wine but he's the one who left yeah so then he did stand up for himself that's what i mean like it's that's a whole that i don't even like, like see know that, that person yeah and like whenever he would his friends like when he passed 
Right. They'd be like, he was the life of the party. Oh, really? And then he was so quiet. Like, he didn't say much. Was it that maybe you guys didn't see that side of him? Like, you didn't I think know he was, him? like, probably just scared. <laughs> of what? My grandmother. The new one? Yeah. Oh, so she just, My... like, came and stole grandpa from another family. I, maybe. I don't even know. That's what I mean. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to find out. She fucking later. saw Back in the day, women could do that. She just saw him one day. She's like, you're like, coming <laughs> with me. You're living with me now. <laughs> How old was he when that, that new family came about? I think he was older. Yeah? Like, probably mid-30s. That's not that old. Does you <laughs> Does your, like, do you think your kid will, like, integrate well into a new family? I don't know. It's difficult for him, man. That's the whole thing. Like, it's, it's really, really hard. Because my intention is that I'm going to marry this girl and I'm going to have kids with her, you know? And he's going he's gonna to have to deal with that. But he's nine, you know? Yeah. So he's growing up. He'll be all right. He's a really good, sweet, smart kid. I love you, Alex. I hope he's not listening to this podcast. Oh, he's listening. He's under the table right now. <laughs> Wait, what? I, it was my day to watch him. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm just blowing the weed smoke under the table. Do you worry, like, does, like, people in your family, do you worry about them seeing, like... Stuff? Yeah, like your kid or your, like, kid's mom... Seeing uh, like podcasts that you no, do. No, I, I, like... I stand by everything I do. I never put my kid in danger. I don't do drugs near my kid. Like No, 100%. I'm not. But like when I started this podcast, I was so scared to like put myself out there. Mm. Like to be like, oh, that random person from my life could just watch me say or right. do some crazy stuff. So I feel like when you have more of a life behind you, right. that could be even more of a problem. Again. Um, I started doing podcasting around the same time I got into stand-up comedy. And at the time, my whole character was destroyed. You know, like my name was dragged through the street, made out to be a monster. So I was like, everyone already has the lowest opinion of me. Like, uh, what, what do I care? Yeah. You know, like well, there's nothing else. You know, what do I care what the general public thinks? I don't, I don't say things that I don't stand by. No, I feel this is the part where in the future they've been play a clip of me saying awful, <laughs> me saying awful things. No, but I feel like you can apologize for things that you've said. Hundred percent, like, feel bad about that shit. Hundred percent. The only people I probably owe an apology to are fat people. Oh, and I'm only mean about fat people because I was a fat person. I feel the same way. It's like. And I also grew up around, like, large people. Yeah. Like, and I was large. And yeah. I had, like... I was the largest. And, and honestly... What, were you, what was your biggest? 480 pounds. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Salute. Thank you, man. For real. Thank you, bro. No gastric, bro. All natural. What'd you do? Cocaine and prostitutes. Yeah? No, no. Just working out, man. Closing my fucking fat mouth. Nah, but, like, for 480, 480 to where you are now... To 200 pounds. Is like that's very impressive. Like, what were the first steps? Like, what made you like change? Um, there was a girl that I was attracted to, and she had a friend who was a, a personal trainer. And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna go because she, oh, she, she's recommending me to go to her trainers. I was like, Maybe if I lose a little weight, this girl will like me. So I started seeing a personal trainer, and then you start working out. And you know, I'm not a retarded kid, pardon my language 
I'm not stupid, you know? And, and the fucked up thing is when I was fat, people used to tell me all the time, like, you're a real smart kid. Can't you figure this out? Like, can't you figure out how to lose weight? And that shit, like, really hurts you when someone says that to you. You're like, because then you're like, maybe I am a fucking idiot, you know? Yeah. Um, but then when you start going and exercising, then you're like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be shoveling 5,000 calories into my mouth every day because then it doesn't make any fucking sense. So you start changing your diet. Yeah. But I remember when I first started working out, you know, I'm still like 400 pound-ish at the time because I had already lost a little bit of weight. <laughs> but I remember after my first big workout at the gym, they had a, a juice bar. And I ordered something called the Elvis Presley, which in hindsight, I think it had like 1,200 calories in it. You know? <laughs> it was like three bananas and fucking this and peanut butter. And I was like, no, oh, working out's easy, man. Yeah, I get, this is healthy. I get a milkshake when I'm done. Do you still get cravings? Um, like, like fat boy cravings. I let myself eat when I want to. You know, I just the the one thing that I consistently do is I I uh, intermittent fast every day. So I stop eating at about midnight, and then I won't eat again until at least like three or four o'clock. So that gives your body like a long period of time to burn everything that was inside of you, and that really helps your metabolism out. Yeah, really. Yeah. Hundred percent. That was a big part of me losing weight was the intermittent fasting. Wow. Did were there were you consistent with it? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I, very important for losing weight, sleep. You know, and if you have the luxury, and I've built my life so that I can get enough sleep because it's very important to me. I'm not one of those people who could sleep for four hours. I'm not either. I and need I'm good. eight nine hours. I need yeah. eight nine hours. I mean, maybe I could do one or two days in the week where I get four or five, but like more than that, and it'll be to my detriment. Yeah. So, first of all, when you're not <laughs> when you're asleep, you're not eating, you know. So you try to sleep as much as you can. Don't eat first thing in the morning. You know, a lot of people have different opinions on that. I'm saying what worked for me. Yeah. And I don't know. I've seen the science behind it, and it seems to work. And then you only have a certain amount of time where you can eat, and you never, you know, like. I'm not going to gorge. I don't have those same type, you know, like when I was morbidly obese where I would just sit and pile food into my mouth. What was your, like, McDonald's order? Because uh, my fat boy McDonald's order was bad. If, if we, we traveled, like, to a dimension, because, like, I still, even when, you know what I used to do when I was fat? I used to go to, like, a store and order, like, twice the amount of food that a normal person would order, but I would pretend I was on the cell phone I'd be like, oh, what's that? Oh, you want a roast oh, beef hero? I've done that too. Oh, okay. Well, all right, I'll tell him. I'm serious. Uh, extra mayo, he said on that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be yeah. like, oh, you want it? I would get, I would get two medium right. buffalo chicken pizzas. Yeah, that's how from shameful. Domino's, and I'd be like, talking to no one. Oh, wait. Oh, you want it? Oh, I, I, okay, make it two. I'll yeah. get another one. Shame. Shameful. Yeah. <laughs> shameful. But that yeah. shit's crazy. Yeah, no, but it. Because I've done it too. Like I, I know what you're talking about. When I was when I was a big fat, I'm still to this day. I don't like eating in public. Do you see yourself as fat still? No, of course not. I'm okay. right now. I'm not in the best shape that I was. I was in like a couple of years ago. I was like working out gung ho, lifting weights, and like I, listen, my body because of how fat I was, I have like skin, you know, like extra skin. But like, oh, do you? Oh, for sure. Well, dude, I was, you know, I was the size of this table. I know. I you just know? you don't like. No, but we, well, you don't hold yourself like that. most of it. Is pretty much gone, but like around my stomach, I had like I could use a tummy tuck like badly, you know. Um, and then I would lose another 10, 20 pounds <laughs> from cutting that off. 
But uh, I forgot what the fuck was the point of what I was saying. What was the point? I was just not paying attention. Anyway, oh, oh, no. So when I was fat, um, eating in public was not something I wanted. As if people didn't know I ate a lot of food. But like I used to like to do it in like shame. Like order food or in a dark bring, room. F- bring food home uh, and, and sit in a room and get stoned and just like gorge. Yeah. You know? But that, you know, again, all of that stems from, you know, poor childhood and not knowing where to direct, you know, your frustration and... Whatever happened, uh, what happened to that girl? Which one? <laughs> the one that you started losing weight for. Oh, she ended up. Uh, well, what happened was, I was dating uh, a heavy girl at the time, and uh, I kept losing weight, and I was losing it like faster and faster, and she kept going, "You're gonna lose weight and leave me," and I was like, "You're right. You need to go lose <laughs> weight. I don't want to be a fat fuck the rest of my life." Yeah. And she was like, I'm try- I don't want to, I, you know. And I was like, listen, I was like, I'm telling you right now, like, it's not going to work for me if, like, you're going to be morbidly obese. And, like, because, like, that was the whole thing. Like, our relationship was us going out and pigging out and, like, just going places. And this girl, this girl loved me. She took me on, like, vacations and, like, fucking spoiled me. And I love her, you know. She was a great person. But, like, at the time, I was, you know, in my early 20s, I was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life trapped in a fat cage and yeah. i told her that and we end up we i ended up leaving her because she refused to lose weight and then i started dating this other girl who got me hooked on pills <laughs> she's like this will help you lose yeah. weight even faster yeah well that was the craziest thing because i was dating this girl and she was also a lovely girl but she had her issues man and i ended up moving in with her she was living with her mother and her best friend and her sister and all four of them were prior morbidly obese and had gastric bypass surgery. <laughs> so it was like living in an insane asylum, dude. And, and, and I was like, I'm not getting gastric. I'm going to fucking do this like a normal human being. And I ended up, you know, losing, losing, you know, weight steady every year. It took me a few years to get all the weight off. I didn't do it right away. It took like three, four years maybe okay. in total. Um, Split up with that girl because she went off the deep end with drugs. And then my ex, the one that I left, while I was gone, uh, she lost a bunch of weight because uh, I think someone gave her a prescription for Adderall. So she <laughs> stopped eating completely. She looked amazing. She looked – and she, she was a beautiful girl. But, like, thin, she was, she was gorgeous. And, um, and then we dated again. And then she started gaining weight and we split up. And I ended up with my kid's mother. <laughs> I feel like I really did get your life story. It's it's pretty. You got like thirty five percent. Thirty five. Well, you missed the part where I was recruited to work for Wall Street when I was sixteen years old. What happened with how much? What time are we at? We got fi- we got like fifteen minutes left. Yeah. You want to know about that? Yeah, I do want to know about that. Um. So when I was when I was six, I stopped going to school. You know, like when I was like thirteen, fourteen, like I cut all the fucking time. I just hated school. I hated yeah. teachers. I hated the interaction, um, bullies and shit. Like I just, it wasn't a place that I felt comfortable. So I stopped going and I got to high school and I basically skipped the entire first year. And the second year they took me in the office and they were like, hey, you were missing 170 days last <laughs> year and you're missing 40 this year. Um, you're going to have to repeat the grade. And as a kid, I had a, a 
a, a reoccurring nightmare of getting left back. It was my biggest mm. fear. It was just something about. But you still were skip, skipping school. I was still too. skipping school. I just assumed <laughs> I would get progressed anyway. <laughs> and uh, I was like, fuck. I was like, I can't. I was like, how do I come to my mother and tell her I'm getting left back a grade? Yeah. To me, it was end of the fucking world. When, and in hindsight, what a fucking idiot. I should have stayed and finished school. So I had another friend, same situation. He comes to me one day. He's like, hey, fatso. He's like, I found a way for us to get out of high school without dropping out. <laughs> he goes, there's a program that goes on over the summer. It's a GED high school equivalency program. So it's not a GED. It's called a high school equivalency. You take a six-week course, yeah. and then they give you a test like a GED. And when you, if you pass it, you get your high school diploma. Okay. So, so he's like, you don't have to tell your mom. You just fucking show up. I end up going to this thing. He doesn't. Okay. So I show up the first day I get there, and they give us like a fucking whatever it's called when you first get there. You yeah. know, and like the teacher talks to us. And like I, the class is filled with like 19 year olds, you know, and I'm like six, I'm like 15, 16 years old. And I'm like, this is fucking retarded. Right. So I was like, and they start teaching us. And I'm like, this is shit I learned in third grade. I was like, yeah. we, we're talking about like isosceles and fucking, uh, you know, obtuse. I was like, what, what, what? So I was like, this is retarded. I'll just come and take the test. So I don't go to the rest of the classes and I show up on week like five and a half. And uh, I get there, and the the like the lady who was in charge, who was like like the, the vice principal, yeah, very very nice like black lady, you know. And she was just so sweet to me. And she was like, she's like, why weren't you here, child? Blah blah blah. She's like, you know, we're having the test. Is the test is done on Monday? And I was like, my grandfather died, and I had to help my grandmother. And, <laughs> and she and she felt so bad for me. And she was like, it's okay, child. Don't worry. She's like, we'll try to we'll try to refresh you as much as we can, like you know, five weeks yeah, worth yeah. of information, you know. So I finish the day, and this was a Wednesday. I come back on Monday because she said the tests on Monday. I show up on Monday. She goes, "Child, where have you been? Where were you Thursday and Friday?" <laughs> I go, "My grandfather." She's like, "You told me that already." <laughs> She's like, "The test started on Friday." It's a it's a it's a six hour test. You had three hours on Friday and three hours on Monday to finish it. She's like, we only have today left. We don't have any more days. I was like, please let me try taking the whole test now. She's like, we. Uh, she's like, you're gonna do the whole test in three hours. I was like, please just let me try. <laughs> so I go in the room and I'm looking at people and they're sweat dripping out of their face. They're like doing like calculators in the sky, you know. And I and again, I'm not the smartest dude in the world. Yeah. Okay. But I sit there and I'm just like, I was like "Are you fucking kidding me?" They're like, like, they're like, which one's a triangle? And I'm like, "Oh, that's a triangle," you know? Like, so I breeze. I did the whole test in like an hour and a half. <laughs> and I hand her the test, and they're like, and the kid, they're getting angry around me. And the thing is, like, you can't cheat because they stagger the tests. Every yeah. like the person in front of you, behind you, on the left and the yeah, right has yeah. a different test, so there's no way you could see it. And they're getting pissed at me. I'm like, I better get out of here. I'm gonna get beat up. And I give him the thing. And back then, the way you'd find out if you passed or failed, they had a number for you to call. It was a 917 number. And you call the number, and it was just like, ding, ding, ding. Hello, you have failed. You have passed. So I call it up. You passed. 
please co- you have to show up uh, to the school to pick up your diploma. So it was like a two weeks, three weeks later. So I show up to the school two, three weeks later. <laughs> and I get there, and all the teachers from the school are there. It was the Jamaica Learning Center, if anyone's interested. <laughs> and I get there, and all the teachers line up. It was like, you know, those staircases to get yeah, into a building? Yeah. Line up a- across, along the sides and start clapping for me. So I think automatically, I was like, they're being sarcastic assholes. <laughs> you know, like they're being fucking pricks. And Miss Paula, the lady comes up to me, the nice black lady. She goes, child, congratulations. And I was like, I was like, wow, because I passed, you know, and I yeah. didn't show up. And I was like, thank you. I was like, you know, thank you for letting me take it. I was like, it means really a lot to me. And my grandfather, may he rest in peace. And uh, she goes, no, I have news, child. You're valedictorian. Oh, <laughs> I was valedictorian <laughs> of my oh GED my uh, Jamaica, <laughs> Jamaica Learning Center. She goes, you, you won a two-year scholarship to St. Mary's College. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to go. And I had already at the time agreed to go start this job working in a schlock <laughs> stockbroking <laughs> office off of Wall, not in Wall Street, but in, in the financial district area. <laughs> and I started that job that September. Instead of going into my third year of high school, I went into Wall Street. Wait, so you can just graduate high school at 16 if you want? Yeah, you can. That's crazy. Look at all those years you wasted. I know. At college, all of that shit. Yeah, man. That's wild. Yeah, so then... That wasn't even how you got into the stock program at 16. Yeah, no. (laughs) Am I wrong? He's like, I want to tell the story about how I got into the stock program. Well, that's how I left high school, and then I got... and then. How did they recruit you? That well, was the whole point. Well, we, of we had a we had a story. <laughs> we had a we we had the local neighborhood plug who was a friend of he ours. He just wanted to do the black accent. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he's like, I don't care about the he story. Was, I just want to do this voice. The, the 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 guy who who gave me my first bump of cocaine ever was also the man who recruited me to work on Wall Street when I was sixteen years old. That sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you did your first bump of cocaine? I think we were like 14 or 15. Oh, How did you get like... No, the coke came before Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> were you good at Wall Street? Yeah, it was really good. My first day on Wall Street, I opened up three accounts. <laughs> were you good at cocaine? I w- I'm the best at cocaine. I f- actually, I finished But you cocaine. were fat all those years? I did so much cocaine, cocaine, I finished it. <laughs> you were fat all those years with coke? Bro, I was a 480-pound man. Sniffing an eight ball of cocaine, drinking a bottle of of gin. Yeah, dude, Artie Lang, Joey Diaz, they were both fat coke addicts. I guess that's true. It gives I you guess. strength. But you're like, you came out of it pretty well. I came out on the other end of it. By Amer- did by you God. Think, did you think God. you were going to? No, no. My plan, uh, when I was that size, unless I, but this is before I took my life into my own hands, my expectation, I was dead by the time I was 30. That's what I had thought and had expected. I did not think I was going to make it past 30 years old. Not when you're fucking the size of a tank, you know? And, like, you was growing perpetually every single year. Yeah. Yeah, no, my expectation was death. Wow. So every day after that is a blessing. Thank you, God. It's all from God, and that's without making a joke. God no, I pulled me through so many fires in my life. The obesity is just one of them, probably the biggest. But, like, without God, the miracles that have happened in my life from God are just... Why do people laugh at you when you say that shit? Uh, because they think you're like a, a religious nut. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, like, I, 
I have to like be quiet about it because I feel like I'm like a crazy person. Like, I, I refuse to be quiet about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout my praise for God every single day. I love God and He loves me. Thank you, God. Man, this was dope. Thank you, bro. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks, I man. really no, I'm really happy and Thank I'm you, really Sam, happy bro. for like you and that like I'm happy I all this shit like that. Thank you, Sam. Every we day love is you, a man. blessing. We love the That's buffed awesome. up podcast, man. We can't. I we... love the Mac Almanac. Yeah, make sure you like and subscribe, guys. Yeah, you're you guys are close to being able to monetize, which salute. Thank you guys you, deserve bro. it. Like Thank you've been you, working hard for a long ass time. Again, from God, man. Thank you, bro. And that's cool. I, I hope Kevin doesn't mind me saying the shit about like what you who was like shit does happen the day after you think you're 100%, gonna give up. hundred percent. And I and the, the crazy thing is something really fucked up happened right prior to this happening. Some someone did something really disgusting. I don't want to go into the details yeah, of, of it because it was so it was really so upsetting. But someone from my past tried to like sabotage my life and like try to like like make me look like a piece of shit and like try to hurt me and hurt my character. Um, and I remember I was so, I was really hurt and upset and like thinking of different ways like how am I going to get back at this person and yeah. how am I going to you know put myself back on top in this situation? And I said to myself because I've had it happen before when shit like this happens when like something really foul when when unjustifiably someone tries to hurt you or does something really bad happens to you the miracle from god is literally like right there happening like right there yeah you just have to make it through yeah you just gotta make the little tank mentality that's why i call it you have to be a little tank a little you have to be the little tank and just keep going no matter what shit's thrown in front of you lead with love that's it Man, thank you for this. Thank Everyone you, check out the Mac Almanac. Follow you at Joshua Pallid. P-A-L-E-D, yeah. Dope. Thank you, Sam. Peace out, everyone. Irish, you want to plug anything other than your own butthole? Um, <laughs> check out my butthole, guys, at It's Irish O'Neill uh, on all social media and uh, too much content live. Peace. Peace.